0: Hello, thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. tonight, And uh, I've been in, I'm in a new series. I started last Wednesday night uh, uh, talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And tonight I want to talk a little bit about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you why I say it that way in just a minute. It's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And, um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. And I want to give you some scripture. I want to give you uh, some scripture that you can use. Uh, I want to give you some scripture that you can defend or, or scripturally um, make sense of what it means Uh, when it comes to being filled with the Spirit. And understand that being filled with the Spirit, people automatically think that being filled with the Spirit is automatically about tongues. It's not automatically about tongues. Being filled with the Spirit means you're filled with the gifts of the Spirit, all the gifts of the Spirit that God allows and gives. It's not just tongues, but it's all the gifts of the Spirit. So I want to read a couple verses of Scripture. And one is that spoke to me this week that I just saw it this week. I hadn't seen it till this week, but I think it's a powerful scripture. I want you to first turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And um, actually let's go, let's go to 2 Corinthians 13 first, and then we'll go to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12 is going to be our scriptural text, but I want to show you this passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians. I love this passage of scripture. And I hadn't seen it till our Bible study this past Monday night. And uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14, uh, this is what it says. It says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. How many know that's a great scripture? It says, and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Actually, the root word of that means the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It means to walk with. It means to walk beside. Uh, the word is used. There's many definitions that can be used for communion there. There's the word uh, intimacy. It can mean intimacy with the Holy Spirit. It can mean partnering with the Holy Spirit. It can mean, um, uh, it can mean uh, communion. It can mean fellowship. Uh, there are several words that could be used there in the Greek to describe the communion of the Holy Spirit. And so tonight, I want to talk about how being f- the filling of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, we have communion with the Holy Spirit. We have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And then if you would turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, that's going to be somewhat of our text tonight. We're going to be in a lot of scriptures, so bear with me as we go through the Bible tonight. And you might want to write some of these scriptures down, it'll help you when you go to Study. Um, the Spirit. Verse 13 says this, For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have, all, and have all been made to drink of one Spirit. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into the body of Christ. So by one Spirit we are baptized. Baptizo is the word. That's used several times in Scripture. It means to be immersed in. It means to be be immersed fully, completely covered. Fully immersed, completely covered. And uh, this passage of Scripture here is talking about that every believer, every believer comes into salvation, and when you receive Christ as your personal Savior, you are baptized or immersed into the body of Christ. In other words, you are covered. You're immersed into. And there are three baptisms that the Scripture talks about. This is one. And this is, and I'm going to give you all three of them, and then I'm going to talk about the third one. But here's the po- all three of the points, the three baptisms that the Scripture teaches. One is the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. That's what this passage of Scripture is. When we give our lives to Christ, we are baptized or we are immersed into the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. We are born again in Christ, and the Holy Spirit lives in our heart and inside of us, and it is our conversion. It's coming to Jesus. Then there is this number two is the disciple, the disciple baptizes us in water. The disciple baptizes us in water. That's the second baptism that is mentioned in Scripture. In the, you can write this down, jot this down, Matthew 28, 19. The Scripture tells us, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so this is the believer's baptism in water. This is the believer's baptism in water. Uh, We are baptized uh, in water, and this is the believer's baptism in water. And then thirdly, and this is where I want to talk about for a minute tonight, Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Now hang with me for a little bit tonight. Uh, If you would, go with me to Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11. I want to talk about Jesus baptizing us with the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit tonight and um, encourage you. And then we want to pray for you tonight if you want to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit tonight. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11 um, tells us this. And this this is John speaking. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Now look what it says. It says he, capital he, he will baptize you with what? With the Holy Spirit and with fire. Y'all get that? It says, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and fire. Now, I want you to, I want you to see something here because um, a lot of times we, we hear the argument that the baptism of the Holy Spirit has died out with the apostles, that only the apostles uh, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and everyone that they prayed for or touched received it also. Well, I, I want to deal with that cessationism tonight because here John is speaking... He says he will baptize you with the Spirit. But who is John talking to here? John is not speaking to the disciples here. The disciples, Jesus had not even called the disciples yet. Matter of fact, the disciples were not called until John or until Matthew 4. Um, So John is not speaking to the disciples here. John is speaking to those who are present, everyone that is there. He is telling everyone, he is saying, there is one that is coming who will baptize you with the Spirit and with fire. And so, but I want you to notice, the first baptism that I talked about, um, the Holy Spirit baptizes you in Jesus, salvation, that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And um, it's when we're immersed into a relationship with Christ, when he becomes our Savior And we are brought into the family of God. The third baptism, Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Spirit. That is Matthew 3, verses 11. When we are endued with power from on high, He will baptize you uh, with the Spirit. So those two scriptures that I read to you in uh, 1 Corinthians 12... And here in Matthew 3, understand that theologically they can't be the same. They're not the same. And grammatically they can't be the same. Because there's two different subjects that are, that are at point here. And so there's no way uh, any theologian or uh, anyone can present these as the same. There's a difference between the baptism of the Spirit... And the baptism with the Spirit. One has to do with our salvation, the other has to do with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit clearly baptizes you into the body of Christ. And so, and Jesus fills us, immerses us, and fills us with overflowing power in our lives. And so, here's what's interesting. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is in every gospel, and there are only only a few things that show up in every gospel. For instance, Matthew, Mark, Luke are synoptic gospels. You know what that means? It means they're similar gospels. Uh, They're they're synoptic gospels. John is not a synoptic gospel, um, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic gospels. John is not. And here's the reason why. Matthew, Mark, and Luke record the birth of Jesus, and then they move immediately uh, to after the beheading of John the Baptist, and they primarily, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, primarily cover the third year of Jesus' ministry. So they're synoptic. They're they're similar. They cover the the, the third year of Jesus' ministry. But John... Begin to write his gospel around 70 AD. And John records the first two years of Jesus' ministry. So there are things that are in John that are not in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. For instance, in John chapter 2, you have the wedding at Cana. John 3, you have the encounter with Nicodemus. John 4, the woman at the well. John 8, the woman caught in adultery. John 9, the blind man. John 14 through 16, uh, the conversation at the Last Supper and the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And so um, there is recorded in all four Gospels. There are some things that are recorded in all four Gospels. For instance, um, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is in all four of the Gospels. Um, the baptism with the Spirit is in all four of the Gospels. The feeding of the 5,000 is in all four of the Gospels. Now, I'm going to show you. I just read to you in Matthew where there is the uh, baptism with the Holy Spirit in Matthew 3.11. But if you look at Mark 1.8, Matthew, Mark Look at Matthew or Mark 1:8. I want to show you in all three gospels, um, where you see the baptism with the Spirit. Mark chapter one and verse eight, it says, "I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit." Luke chapter three and verse 16. Pardon me if I go fast, I don't mean to, just for sake of time. Luke chapter 3 and verse 16, it says this. It says, John answered and said to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal straps I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And that's identical to Matthew 3.11 that we read earlier. And then John 1.33 says, John 1.33 says this. It says, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And so we see in all of the Gospels, there is the mention of the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And so, But I want to show you something. And uh, John had mentioned in verse 33 there of 133, he said, when you see the Spirit descending and remaining, that is He who, who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, when did that happen? That happened when? At Jesus' baptism. Is that not right? The heavens opened up. And um, the scripture says, like a dove, like a dove descended upon Jesus. The Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus. And um, so most of us read it like this. This is how we did it. Uh, most re, re, most of us read it um, we say that a a dove descended upon Jesus at, like the holy spirit the subject here is the holy spirit it is a it is a simile in other words it's a description that the holy spirit rested upon Jesus like a dove it was it was like a dove i um i heard this joke and i wanted to share it and um, there's this pastor that wanted to make a dramatic expression of the Holy Spirit in his service. And so what he did was he had uh, taken a little boy and he gave him a dove and he put him in the roof of his country church. And there was a whole event hole that was in the, just over the pulpit uh, in that country church and he gave that little boy a dove. He said, now when I say, and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, I want you to let that dove go into the congregation. And so he he gets up to preach and he's in the middle of his message and he says, "Like a dove the Holy Ghost descended and nothing happened." He said it a second time. He said, "Like a dove the Holy Spirit descended and nothing happened." He did it a third time and finally he heard that little boy rustling up in the up in the vent, and he said, "Psst, psst, Pastor." He said, "The cat ate the Holy Ghost. Should I throw the cat down?" <laughs> you know. But as I thought about the Spirit of God descending upon Jesus, I thought to myself, "Listen." If Jesus needed the person of the Holy Spirit on earth, how much more do we need the Holy Spirit on this earth? If Jesus needed him, how much more should we? And we all know that Jesus' ministry was marked by Jesus operated in the gifts of the Spirit. He laid down his divinity. And so he he only did what he saw the Father tell him to do And we see Jesus use the gifts of the Spirit in his life many times. Uh, One of the most pertinent is the woman at the well. You remember the encounter Jesus had with the woman at the well? He said to the woman, he said, go get your husband. And she said, for I don't have a husband. And all of a sudden, word of knowledge came to Jesus and said, for what you speak is true. You, You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the man that you're with now is not your husband. So Jesus in his ministry on earth used the gifts of the Spirit or used the Holy Spirit in his life. And so I want us to see something tonight. Uh, There's a pattern in Scripture that you'll see. There's a pattern in Scripture that you'll see. You'll see salvation, you'll see water, and then you'll see the Spirit at many places in the New Testament. You'll see this pattern. And, And so first will come salvation then will come baptism and water and then will come the baptism of the spirit that's a pattern that we see that we'll see in scripture and so we see that somewhat in Jesus's life now Jesus didn't have to be saved right i mean Jesus didn't need to be born again and the reason was is because he was born right the first time he didn't have to be born again but you and I have to be born again and so when we're born again, we're made perfect in Christ. We're in Christ, right? Now we're perfect in position, we're just not perfect in performance. Right? So salvation comes and and we we we're, we're positioned right in Christ, but our performance is not always the best. Acts chapter 1, turn to Acts chapter 1. I want to show you, I want to show you this progression in a couple of places in scripture. In Acts chapter 1, uh, verses uh, 4 and 5, we just see here, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. But look what he said. But, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Now, in Luke, in, in the book of Luke, uh, I believe it's Luke chapter 24, uh, Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to when he goes away, he will send a comforter. He will send a promise to them. Verse 5, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit um, not many days from now. So Jesus here gives them this instruction. He says the promise of the Father is coming. I want you to tarry here for the promise of the Father is coming. Now, I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 2. And I want us to see a couple of scriptures here. and uh, and of course, these scriptures are very familiar. Uh, and so when we begin here, Peter gets up. he's preaching on the day of Pentecost. and uh, and let's look at verse uh, let's begin looking at verse uh, thirty six, verse thirty six. therefore, Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, Peter's preaching and all of a sudden, verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Some translation says, What shall we do to be saved? Their hearts hearts were moved. And and look at verse thirty-eight. Look what it says. Very familiar to many of you. Then Peter said to them, "Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins." Now see the pattern there. Salvation. What did he say? Repent and be saved. Then he said, "Be baptized in the name of Jesus." That's water. Salvation. Water, and then the Spirit. And look what it says as it follows. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now the word gift there does not mean we look at it, as I said before, we think that that, uh, that is, is tongues. It's not the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's actually, it means the gift of the Holy Spirit as the fullness of the Spirit. It's not just tongues. The gifts of the Spirit are not just about tongues. It's about everything that comes with the Holy Spirit. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you have salvation, you have water baptism, baptism in water, and then you have the baptism with the Spirit that is mentioned here. And so he said, go and wait for the promise, but... I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in May of 1987. And uh, verse 39 was the passage of Scripture that convinced me that the baptism of the Holy Spirit had not died out. It was the, that was the Scripture that turned me. I mean, I knew at that moment that the Holy Spirit had picked, pricked my heart. It said, for the promise is to you, listen to this, is to you, and your children, and then it is to all who are, what? afar off, and as many as the Lord our God can call. Oh, amen. In other words, it wasn't just for them. It wasn't just for them, but it's for you, to your children, and to all who are afar off and all who are called by the Lord. In other words, that tells us that that's you, that's me. We're afar off. We are the afar off, and so um, that's in the future tense. So in the Greek, it's future tense, which means that that's what it means in the future. It means in the future, and so and so that passage of Scripture. But go with me to Acts chapter 8. I want you to see this pattern. There's this pattern that is seen all through the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8. And uh, let's look down down at verse 12. And the Bible says, But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and... And women were baptized. Now early in the verse, the verse 12, it says, when they believed, Philip as he preached. When they believed, when they, that was salvation. When they believed on what Philip was preaching, which was Christ. Then look what it said. Then what happened? It says, and and they, both men and women, were what? They were baptized. Right? They were baptized in water. Look down, now then go to Verse 14, and it says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might what? Receive the Holy Spirit. That they might receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 14 says that they, that they gave them the right hand of fellowship, that they became part of the church, but Peter and John came that they might receive, verse 15, they might receive the Holy Spirit. And so, and then look at verse 17, and then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And so then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. What came first? They first believed. Then they were what? Water baptized. And then what happened? They were filled with the Spirit. You see the pattern that's here. Turn with me to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. I don't have time or I would go to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 is your, you and my Pentecost Sunday. Really, that's our Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost for the Jews was Acts 2. But Acts 10 is the Pentecost for us. Because that's when Gentiles were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that's your that's your you're in my Pentecost. I don't have time to go there or we would. But look at Acts chapter 19. Look at verses 1 and 2 here. It says, And it happened while the while while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples. Now, look at that. Finding some disciples. What's that mean? It means when Paul arrived, he found disciples. What are disciples? They are believers. Is that not right? He found those that had already believed. And look at verse 2. And it says, And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, for we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Now, that's a powerful scripture. But I want you to think about something for a moment. Paul asked this question, did you receive the Holy Spirit once you believed? Now, the apostle Paul wrote a third of the New Testament. The scripture says that God allowed him to be caught up in this and to see the third heaven. The apostle Paul was probably the greatest apostle or the greatest Christian to ever live, right? Now, why would he ask that question if there wasn't such a thing as being filled with the Holy Spirit? He knew they were believers. Why would he say that? Because he knew he knew that that there was more than just The baptism in Christ, there is the baptism with the Holy Spirit from Christ. Look at verse 3. We see at verse 3, and he said to them, into what then were you baptized? And so they said, into John's baptism. What was John's baptism? It was a baptism of repentance. Verse 4, Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people, that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul said the baptism of John or the, uh, is the repentance into Christ Jesus. They received Jesus, their salvation. Verse 5, what's it say in verse 5? Watch again, watch the pattern. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they were baptized in water. And so here's the pattern again. Salvation, baptism in water, and then we don't just leave it there. Look at verse 6. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. You know, there are a couple words that are used for the Holy Spirit coming upon. Uh, One of the words for the Holy Spirit... uh, For salvation is parakleto. It means the Holy Spirit to come alongside, and uh, uh, it's the word. uh, uh, It's the Greek word n. It's the preface n. So the Holy Spirit has come alongside us. He walks with us. He leads us. He guides us. He teaches us. But here, when the Holy Spirit comes on us, the word is epi, which means to come upon or to rest upon. Which is a, which is a, uh, which let us know that this just wasn't the Holy Spirit walking beside us. It was the empowering of the Holy Spirit that came upon them. And so uh, there's a difference in the translations of the words there. And so, but here's what's interesting. When you look at Acts 8, Acts 8 happened five years after uh, the day of Pentecost. Acts 19 happened 10 years after the day of Pentecost. Or Acts 10 happened 10 years after Pentecost. Acts 19 was 25 years after Pentecost. So that shows you the moving of the Holy Spirit, the pattern of the Holy Spirit working through Scripture. Look at 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7. 1 John 5 and verse 7. I want you to see this. The scripture says in verse 7, For there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are what? These three are one. They agree, right? The Father, the Word, and the Spirit. We know that Jesus is called the Word Matter of fact, John 1, 1 tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, was God, and the Word was with God. Revelation 19, 13 tells us that the, uh, the, name, uh, the name of Jesus is the Word of God. Acts 19 tells us that. So what is this telling us here? It's telling us that the Father, the Word, and the Spirit uh, give witness to what? to supernatural life. Salvation, um, if you look at verse 8, there's a witness in heaven. Verse 8, it says, and there are three that bear witness on earth, right? The spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three are one. In other words, they witness to the heaven on earth that the supernatural, the supernatural has the ability to change lives. The blood is always in reference to salvation. The blood is salvation. That's the new person, right? The water is a picture of the old man cut off and dead. So when you're baptized in water, what? The old man dies and you come up a new man, right? In Christ Jesus. And then the Spirit gives us victorious living. The Christian life, the power to walk a new life with Christ. And so to walk as a believer in Christ. And uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians, no, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 10, yes. 1 Corinthians 10. And I want us to see a couple passages of scripture here. In verse 6. Here the apostle Paul is telling us that what we read in the Old Testament is an example of what was lived out in the new. In verse six, it said, now these things become our example to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Look at verse uh, verse 11. It says, now these things happen to them as an example And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. In other words, what is telling us here that the things that we experience in the New Testament or that we read in the Old Testament, they are examples to us in the New Testament. So what what is Paul referring here to in in verse 6 and verse 11 of chapter 10? Well, you have to look at verses 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2 says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea. Now, verse 2 is the key. Look what it says. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now, remember the pattern salvation, water, and the Spirit, right? Remember the pattern. So, what do we see? Verse 1 Our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea. Verse two, Moses was not Christ, but he was a type of Christ for the children of Israel. Was he not? He was their deliverer. He brought them out of Egypt. It says, and they were what? They were, verse two, and they all were baptized into Moses. Is that right? And then it said they were baptized into what? Into the cloud, right? The cloud represents The leading of the Spirit or the baptism of the Spirit. What was it? There was a cloud by day and a fire by night, right? Does the Holy Spirit not typify fire? And so in the cloud means the Holy Spirit. And then they passed through the sea. What was the sea? That was the water. That was the baptism. And so what is Paul saying? That the children of Israel passed through the same experience That we pass through. The same pattern we see is passed through. And so the spirit could be in reference to oil, can be in reference to cloud, to the cloud and fire. Now I want to show you something. I don't have a picture of it, but I wish I did. I didn't have time before service to do it. How many of you are familiar with the tabernacle of Moses? Right? You all know the tabernacle of Moses. There's the outer court, right? There's the inner court. Then there's the uh, holy place. And then there's what? The holy of holies, is that not right? And so even in that pattern, we see the same pattern. Now, the purpose of the tabernacle of Moses was what? To get to the holy of holies. That's what? That's where the presence of God was, right? So the purpose was to get to the holy of holies. Well, when you look at the tabernacle of Moses, you have the outer court and you go into the inner court through one door. There's one door that you entered into. How many know salvation begins with Jesus and ends with Jesus? There's only one door. There's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus. And so when you walk in, the first thing that you see when you walk in, there is the, there is the altar, the, 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 blaze, the brazen altar, right? That is where the sacrifice or the blood is, is where the blood of the lamb is shed, right? So it's the salvation. It's where the blood of the Lamb has been shed and that blood is shed there. The next step is what? Is to go to the bronze laver. What do they do at the bronze laver? They wash themselves. They ceremonially wash themselves. But here's something about the tabernacle of Moses that you don't see preached about or taught about or seen. Before they could go into the holy place, they had to be and they were taking the sacrifice, they had to be anointed with oil before they went into the holy place. And so here you see the same pattern. You have the altar, which represents the blood and salvation. You have the laver, which represents the the washing of the water, which is baptism. And then you have the anointing or the oil that is being anointed or the flask of oil that represents the Holy Spirit in our life. In other words, but here's what happens. And God is a God of order. Is that not right? People don't mind getting salvation. They don't mind water baptism. But what they want to do is is they don't want the baptism with the Spirit, so they try to get into the Holy of Holies their own way. How many know you can't do it? You can't get into God's presence under your own rules. You have to go the way God wants you to go. In other words, you can't just go in any other way. You just can't walk in any way that you want and decide to walk into. We can't just do the process of God in our life as, as, we, sh- as we want to, or we think that we should. And so, here in Scripture, God clearly shows us this pattern of salvation. The three baptisms of salvation into Christ. Baptism in water. The old man died and is cut off. And then the baptism with the Spirit that empowers you for life. To live victorious as a Christian. To live a life of victory and to live a life that is full of the victory of God and walking in that anointing and power that God wants you to walk into. And uh, I'll just be honest with you. I think... Most of our churches are powerless. You know we, we, we are, uh, you know, we have good orators and good messages. We have technology. We have all kinds of uh, uh, modern comforts we have. But the one thing I think we're missing is the power of the Holy Ghost in the midst of God's church. And I believe we need the power of the Holy Ghost back. And I believe we need the power of the Holy Ghost back working in our lives and the Holy Spirit working in us. We need that fellowship of the Holy Spirit, that communion of the Holy Spirit again, that intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And the thing is, is that a lot of times we allow sin in our life and that sin, what? It grieves the Holy Spirit in our life. The Holy Spirit becomes grieved. And... um, and so the intimacy is lost. When there's a grieving of the Holy Spirit, you lose intimacy with the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to lose intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Mark, if you'd come. I, uh, most people don't know this story, but uh, I, uh, I heard this story from someone who knew D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody, of course, we know he was a great a great pastor in Chicago, I pastored Moody Bible church. It still exists today. And, uh, but I heard this story from someone who knew DL Moody personally, a guy by the name of Robert Summers. Some of you may remember Robert Summers. He was the first, uh, he was one of the first people I brought in here when I became pastor. When we were in venture out, I brought Robert Summers in. He has a real prophetic gift. And, uh, he, he went, he knew D.L. Moody, but he told me this story. He said for a few years, D.L. Moody was concerned that his messages and his church just didn't seem to have a lot of power that was moving throughout his church. He had two older ladies in his church that came to him and said to him one day and said to to D.L. Moody. He said to him, he said, pastor, we're praying for you that you will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And D.L. Moody said, well, I already have the Holy Spirit. I got it when I got saved. And the lady said, well, lady said, well, that's okay. We'll just continue to pray for you. Well, that, that conversation kind of uh, you know, stirred inside of him. He began to study. He began to seek out He was in his basement one evening and he he prayed to God. And uh, he said, as he was praying, he said, he, he remembered, he said, Jesus, baptize me with your Holy Spirit. And he says, it was like waves of liquid love that came upon him and baptized him with the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, from then on, his church began to explode. He said a couple of weeks after the baptism of the holy spirit he went and preached a sermon called the power of god and he said it had such an impact that more salvations came that week in his church than had ever before and he and that week he had gone into some factories as a chaplain to visit and people in the factories as he would walk by would begin to weep and he would lead one after the other to the lord In those factories, because of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that came upon his life. I think about that tonight, and I think about how much more do we need the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism with the Holy Spirit in our lives. Stay with me tonight, if you would. And uh, we got a couple of minutes, but. I would be remiss to preach a message like this and not give an opportunity for someone who would like to receive the baptism with the Spirit tonight to do that and receive. It's it's not a difficult thing. The Bible says that as they prayed, the Holy Spirit fell. And it says, and they they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. People think that the baptism with the Holy Spirit is like you get overpowered with the Spirit and you lose control of your body like there's some kind of demon possession. That's not true. The Bible says they, they received and it says they spoke as the Spirit gave the utterance. In other words, you speak but the Spirit is the one that gives the utterance. And it's the simplicity of receiving the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And so, I always, when I was in seminary, I went to a, a seminary that they were cessationist, And, uh, you know, I was kind of marked in seminary. They wouldn't let me participate in some of the school activities because I had gone to a spirit-filled Pentecostal church. And I was spirit-filled and Pentecostal. <laughs> they thought maybe I had a demon or something. I, I don't know, but... But uh, the funny thing was, is that while I was at seminary, um, the two two years that I was there at Cincinnati Christian, I led about three of my friends into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and um, and so God will move if we're just faithful, and He wants to baptize us with power and anointing tonight. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. And so we're to renew the mind. And when we repent, it means to go back or to turn back to. It means to return to. The word really is to return to the top.